What if I told you imaginary friends are real? This is just so exciting. This Friday, get ready for the movie event with the greatest cast you've ever imagined. Showtime. Ryan Reynolds, John Krasinski, Kaylee Fleming, Fiona Shaw, Phoebe Waller-Bridge, Louis Gossett Jr., Matt Damon, Emily Blunt, George Clooney, Maya Rudolph, Bradley Cooper, Sebastian Maniscalco, John Stewart, Sam Rockwell, Aquafina, Keegan-Michael Key, and Steve Carell. I need to throw up or I need a snack. It's one of the two. Gross. If. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Written and directed by John Krasinski. And welcome to another edition of Television. I'm your host, Ryan Abraham, publisher of uscfootball.com. And I am joined alongside Mr. Triple Double himself, Connor Morissette. Follow him on Twitter at C under Morissette, where you can see the triple doubles of his, the letters of his name. And we have Chris Trevino, the cilantro boy. He is here. He's a helium boy. And he is dressed as, what are you, an armadillo? What are you, what are you dressed as? Uh, chicken hawk. <laughs> I uh, I thought this was the Halloween episode, guys. So, it, yeah. Uh, you look great. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that that's where we're at. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Tracy says, hi, amazing crew. Uh, Ryan, Chris, and Jack. No Jack today. We got, we got me. I'm doing the hosting for Jack, who's still driving back from the Bay Area. But we got Connor, and we got me, and we got Chris here. And like, I got to guys, you guys got to see. Let's put the one shot on Chris Please here don't. because yeah, there it is. Looking so good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there that that I'm only gonna give do that one more time. So you you pick when you want me to do it again. Uh we have Dale says Chris is Tony the Tiger from Frosted Flakes. Due to SAG uh <laughs> strike, no, I'm just a normal tiger. Okay. A normal run-of-the-mill tiger, not Tony the Tiger, not Hobbs from Calvin and Hobbs. Oh my God! That's uh, my favorite. Not. Um, I think of another. Someone quick, give me another tiger. The tiger from Aladdin. Is there a tiger in Aladdin? That uh, sounds right. Sure. Yeah, let's go with that. Uh, we look great. You do look great. Um, I'm sorry we didn't. So we did. Uh, just Connor and I just did an interview with Eric Gentry for our. House of Victory uh, series that we've been doing uh, interviews with the players with. They've been a lot of fun. We didn't really want to dress up for that, Chris. Plus, we all just got back from the Bay Area. so Basically, you take your job seriously is what you're saying. <laughs> it, is, what, is what I'm hearing. But I'll be damned if I'll let the Halloween episode go without someone, at least one person dressing up. Someone like got to send us a screenshot when uh, Keely was on. and She went as like, uh, what's her, Peppercorn from, what was it, what's... What's Sandlot? Her, yeah, like what's her, Wendy, what, Wendy, Wendy Pe Peppercorn. Yeah, she dressed up as uh, Wendy. That was a lot of fun. Um, oh, and we have a uh, <laughs> we, we have a super a chat. Funny super chat. Thanks for the super chat, James. Can Chris roar for nine ninety nine? You got to do it. 
$9.99? You paid $10 for me to roar? What is wrong with you? What is wrong with you? In this economy, you're paying $10 for a roar? Oh, my God. Okay, I guess. Um, nice. Wow, okay. that was really good. That's good. You know what? Do that one more time. I'm going to put the one shot on you. Do that. So just, you know, can you do it again? Very nice. That's, we have to have that clip because that's uh, that's a really good clip. I love that this one. This is a very unserious show. This is a very unserious show. So I'm running a not jack. Haven't even like done all the... So we are live uh, on YouTube, which is great. Um, and Facebook, hopefully. And also on uh, Twitter over at, our, at USC Football Twitter account. So you can watch us live three different places or you can watch the replays we appreciate that and we will be taking live calls this evening and we haven't mentioned the game that we were all up there covering but live calls 5124 tunnel is the number we want to keep we love calls we just want to keep them short so we can't just hear you rant we just want to hear your question tell us where you're from and all that stuff and we'll move on uh, we'd love to hear from you and if you have a question in the chat on either youtube or facebook put like big bold question first and i'll start and come back to it later and uh, as we're talking, I'll try to um, uh, I'll put some stuff up here. And uh, oh, and James gave us another super chat, two bucks this time, one ninety nine. He says, "Yes, I did." So he did give. Now he gave twelve dollars to hear you roar. We did it twice, so that's good. He got good value for his money. Get this, someone get him in touch with House of Victory. This man has money to burn. Yeah. Uh, speaking of, we just had a great interview. House of Victory. Sheriff. Go over a YouTube channel. It's up there now. And Connor just put the. Content, content item up on the front page of uscfootball.com. Uh, so go check it out. Eric is great. He was a lot of fun um, to talk to. Oh, Steve says Tiger from Tiger King. Uh, Remember Tiger King? That was like yes. maybe the greatest uh, Netflix show of all time just because it happened. The whole world shuts down. You can't do anything but like watch TV and like Tiger King was there and just like everyone got on Tiger King. So Tiger King made you feel safe in a time of uncertainty. Yeah. Uh yeah. So thank so maybe you'll be on the Tiger King, which is uh uh which is great. But yeah, so go check out the House of Victory interview um with uh Eric Gentry. He was a lot of fun. I had an awesome one with uh Jalen Smith too on Thursday. That was the first in person one we've done. So we both sat uh, over at the University Village and uh, chatted for a half hour or so. We had Eric Gentry for like 40 minutes. So that's a long one. So make sure you guys go check it out. He got in the dark there for a little bit, but then we got the lights going. That was great. Um, okay. So, yeah. So you can call in if you want to call in. We're going to talk about this game. I don't know if you guys realize, but USC actually won the game. Uh, it was 50 to 49. Absolute insanity. Uh, four turnovers. Cal was doing pretty much whatever it wanted on offense, except when they turned the ball over. USC did get a couple of fourth down stops too. Very feast or famine. It was like big stop, turnover, or touchdown Cal. Uh, Jay Knott, 100, over 150 yards. He had a 61-yarder that was pretty uh, pretty special. Um, USC gets some big defensive plays late, including Jalen Smith. And I think I have a picture like batting away. That two-point conversion. Photo. That is a great photo. Shout Thanks, out to Alfredo. Alfredo. Yeah, Alfredo, good one there. Um, yeah, big play there. I got some video of those plays we can kind of show you guys in a little bit. Uh, Eric Gentry, who we just mentioned, had a, a nice one-handed interception there. That was pretty cool. Um, but it was nuts. The fact that if you look at the numbers, Cal had 527 yards of offense. I mean, a lot, a lot of successful drives. 
The turnovers were four to one. If USC doesn't get plus three on turnovers, they don't win this game. Um, just crazy to see USC kind of get out of there with a win. It starts off with a protest on the field. Halftime was the shortest halftime in the history of the world because they kicked a field goal or attempted a field goal right before uh, the third quarter started because it was the last play of the second half, even though the band was already playing on the field, the Cal band, not the Stanford band, which that happened 41 years ago on the same field. It was just, this was an insane game. And I'm glad I went. I wasn't going to go. I'm glad I went. It's sort of like if you go to a game and you see like a, uh, unassisted triple play or so you know some baseball game like there's always some weird play you know oh it didn't you know or if, if you see a safety in a football game there were some weird stuff that you're probably not going to see in many other games in this one so i don't know where you guys want to start you dressed up chris you get to go first oh my, oh my goodness yeah just a crazy game a very bizarre game a surreal game and you know my heart goes out to usc fans because three of the last four games have been like heart murmur-inducing games between the Arizona triple overtime, the craziness of the Utah game, and now this, a 50-49 to 49 win over Cal. To start off, you know, we do have to acknowledge it's a win. It's a huge win. It's obviously not a satisfying win in terms of how USC fans wanted this to go because, as they would say, it's freaking Cal. You know, you gave up 49 points to Cal, and you probably – weren't going to get out of there unless you pulled out that incredible comeback. And credit to the players and the resiliency to fight to to score, you know, 21 in the fourth, make that comeback down two touchdowns going to the fourth. They made an incredible, you know, run of it to to walk out of Memorial Stadium with the win. So a lot of credit to them. But still, just everything we've been talking about this entire season between the defense and the tackling and the run defense and why is Eric Gentry not playing? Oh, Eric Gentry's playing and he's a freaking superstar when he's playing. All these things we've kind of been talking about kind of rolled into one and USC still finds a way. Again, it is Cal. It is not a satisfying win, I'm sure, for USC fans, but enjoy the win. Are you going to get a win over the next three weeks? I do not know. I do not know. I still think you can beat Washington because you are at home. But other than that, it's going to be a wild three weeks. But credit to the team for finding a way, finding a way to win on the road by one point. It is one of those games where if you could go back in time and talk to your younger self and tell them, USC was only going to beat Cal by one point way back when USC was number five. You'd probably be like, okay, they won, but that's probably not enough points. And then if you could go back maybe a couple weeks ago talking to your younger self and say, USC is going to beat Cal by one point, but Cal's going to turn the ball over three times inside their own territory and it'll lead to three touchdowns. You'd say, well, what the heck's going on here? And that's sort of my reaction after that game. Credit to the team for getting the win, like Chris said, but Man, if you're a fan, I don't know how you don't have a bad taste in your mouth. And I've been accused of being too negative. But there were so many moments in that game where I was, like, just shocked at some of the things that Cal was able to do and some of the things USC wasn't able to do. The first Jade not big run, okay, give up one big run, fine. The next series, pretty much, it's a longer touchdown run, and he has 100 yards in the first quarter. For whatever reason this year, the USC defense, it seems like they just keep allowing career days to guys who – the year goes on and they don't play as well. Bryson Barnes, the quarterback at Utah, did nothing against Oregon after having a big game against USC. Win's a win, but man, oh man, if you're a fan of this team who expects a little bit more, I don't think you're very happy with it. Yeah, I think the unsatisfying win has been sort of a staple in the, uh, <laughs> in the USC cupboards for 
many a year. It's not as like last year, not as much, but th- I think this year for sure, getting some of these wins. And you know, USC played two ranked teams and got blown up by one, and then lost in really disappointing fashion to the other one in Utah. And oh yeah, by the way, Utah just get absolutely curb stomped by Oregon at home uh, for Utah. So not a good sign. But I, this Washington Washington team does look beatable. I think you sort of know what USC is. And I want to get into that a little bit because the explosive plays have been a real issue. And I you know, I asked Jalen Smith about it. I asked Eric Gentry about it. You can kind of see what their answers were on our different um, uh, tunnel vision shows that we did with them. But I, I want to get your guys' thoughts on this. I, I think RJ Abadia put up the point that USC has given up 55 plays this season. Uh, through nine games of at least 20 yards. He said, for comparison, UCLA gave up 18 of those. Um, There were seven of them against Cal, 20-yard plays or more. And uh, on the stat stat broadcast that we use, they kind of look at big plays, and they do it a little differently. Um, You know, big plays passing, gains 15 yards or more. Cal had seven of those. Rushes of 10 yards or more. Cal had six more of those. Um, it's It's been a, a defense that has got some big stops, but is definitely giving up these big plays. And it's week after week. I think RJ said they were 130th out of 131 or something uh, in big plays allowed. And, it, you know, it's just, it's not getting much better. I and mean, they allowed, Cal had a lot of drives and uh, they allowed three points per drive for Cal. I think the drive total in this game was crazy. 18 drives for SC, 16 drives uh, for Cal. But over three points per drive is a lot to give up. Uh, 49 points total. That's the most Cal's ever uh, scored in a loss, by the way. So, I mean, there's some historic stuff going on. But what what do you guys make of these big plays? Because it's, you know, you, you know, Eric Gentry's like, well, each one of those big runs early on was just someone in the wrong gap. But I don't know. I mean, do you, if one person screws up and you're you, does it always equal some huge play? Like I'm, I'm not sure what to make of this. It shouldn't. And all year, Ryan, it's been ten guys instead of eleven guys, and we're not doing one guy isn't doing what the coach wants him to do, and we're being coached up really well. But when you're allowing all these big plays, how well are you being coached up? That's my question. After this game, I, I think the defensive coaching you have to question it over. The last couple of weeks, I mean, the Utah game, you need a stop at the end of the game to win. doesn't happen. Against Cal, you need a stop at the end of the game to win. They stop a two-point conversion, still allow a touchdown. The defense has not been good enough these past few weeks, and people just say, yeah, we're not doing what the coaches say, and that's why the big plays happen. By people, I mean the players on the team. Well, maybe the coaching has the coaches have to change their tune a little bit if this is happening time and time again. I Just at a loss for words after – this Cal game, 49 points is too many for a Cal team that really doesn't have many receiving threats and just isn't that talented. What's the definition of insanity? Doing the same thing over and over with the same result, expecting different results. That's what it feels like when I'm sure as a USC fan watching the defense continue to do the same thing over and over and over. To stay on the Halloween theme, they're the ultimate trick-or-treat defense. <laughs> you have no idea what they're going to give you. Either they're going to give up a 80-yard touchdown drive in two plays, or they're going to give it up over 14 plays and slow cut you to death, 
or they're going to get a random fourth down stop, or they're going to get an incredible like interception like the one Eric Gentry made. You have no idea what this defense is going to give you. Obviously, it's football. There is, you know, it's up or down, up or down. But this team, this defense is just so you never know what you're going to get when they step out on the field. They're talented enough to take the ball away. They're talented enough to stop you. But they're also bad enough where they're going to just blow the game. And as you see, they almost did at the at the end of the game. They allowed that touchdown, you know, to a great play by Jalen Smith. They got pressure on Mendoza. He had to force it into a place he didn't really feel comfortable forcing it. But and Jalen Smith made the great play. But again, how many times have we seen where that result is different and in the end result or, you know, maybe they got away with a little bit of a hold there and maybe they get the flag and they move them closer and then they just convert it that way, that would have been equally as painful and something we all would have expected to happen and would have been like, okay, that makes sense. Or they make the stop, which they did, so they get the win. So, But yeah, it's just the ultimate trick-or-treat defense. You never know what you're going to get. A nice Reese's or a rotten egg, I do not know. Yeah. And Ryan, just overall, what are my thoughts on it? it it's not good enough and something needs to change. I don't know what that something is, if it's the coaching, if it's playing different guys, but there's enough of a sample size now where it's a major, major problem, and it happens every week, it feels like, against these good teams. Yeah, with, I, the chat's pretty – they have some suggestions. Uh, a lot. Of, we got a lot of fire Grinch things that's coming on. Um, Lincoln Riley was asked about that or making staff changes, and all he said he's focused on uh, Washington. I never thought he would make any sort of changes in the middle of the season. Maybe if they lost to Cal, if it was, you know – 49-42 or something, then maybe uh, that would have happened. But uh, I don't – yeah, I'm not really thinking that's going to be – they're going to make any kind of changes during the season. But, I mean, you can't really have the things the way they're going now and keep it going. Um, Jim in the chat says, Cal put up 40 points to get Oregon State at Berkeley also. Oregon State put up 52. Yeah, like this is the thing that I sort of have an issue with, like the high watermark parts, um, Jim. Like – when I was talking about Cal's offense before the game, I'm like, hey, against Washington, they they had over 500 yards. It was like 502 yards. Um, against Oregon State, they put up 40 points, you know. But they didn't put up 527 yards and score 49 points. Like, that's, you know, even with turning the ball over four times, like, they still – that's a lot of points. If you turn the ball over four times and you can still score that many, that's a, that's a problem. I mean, it's the most points that – Cal's ever scored in program history when they lost the game. Uh, Jay Knott tied his career high with three touchdowns. I know he doesn't have a long career, but Fernando Mendoza, that was, you know, career high for him for rushing and passing. Like, everyone just seems to have, like, their best game. Cal went into the red zone five times and got five touchdowns. Like, that's – you can't do that. Like, that's just not anywhere uh, good enough. And, and Lincoln Riley talked about that – there were all phases of the game that weren't working well, and sometimes the defense stepped up and saved. Yeah, they were, but I mean, the, the defense did make some really like quality stops and forced turnovers, but they just gave up so many points. I mean, you can't never stop a team in the red zone. Five out of five against Cal, like that's not gonna that's not gonna cut it. And it's just it's just kind of baffling to me to see how bad they can be, but then they make these good plays that you can say, well, see, we did this that was good, but it was just so much bad stuff that was happening, and special teams were crappy, too. We could talk about that, too, but it's just so hard to kind of, like, wrap your mind around almost every team they play, like, outside of Notre Dame when they got blown out, 
because um, that was offensive turnovers. They're giving up this high water mark, the the career high, the never been done before moment over and over and over again. And there's only so much of that you could take and be like, how does this keep happening? And wouldn't you hope to be better than Oregon State? And instead, they were worse. So that doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I do think the offense doesn't help the defense a lot, too. And sometimes the defense would get a turnover in a really good position, and USC's offense would score really quick. Kind of the best-case scenario, but it would just happen so fast. The defense in an offense coached by Lincoln Riley is just going to have a lot of opportunities to make mistakes. And they made some nice plays, like Chris and Ryan talked about. They had some turnovers. They made some key stops, forced some punts. But... When the offense scores really fast or goes three and out quickly, the defense is going to be on the field for a long time. And the scheme, the feaster famine scheme, and just how everything's worked out so far this season, it's not a defense that's able to be out on the field for a long time and have success. Utah, they got the key stop, but then USC scores pretty quickly. USC has to get another stop defensively, and they can't do it. They might be able to get one stop, but they won't be able to get two. So I don't really know what the fix is because, of course, you want to score, but all year long. It's been the same theme, and I think it's a problem for Lincoln Riley's whole career. When you're so good on offense, sometimes it hurts your defense. I don't know how to change that, but we're seeing that again this year. Yeah, they just seem to have no real kind of cohesion with within, you know, both sides of the ball. Like, the offense can have a really good drive and, you know, cut it to, to seven points, and then you really need the defense to get a stop there, and then it all falls apart. And vice versa, they get a really good stop, they take away the ball, then you fumble it right back on back-to-back plays. You know, it just stuff like that. Now they were able to get some of those things working for them in this game and those in certain opportunities, and they were be able to. But it's just way too inconsistent. That's the whole thing we're talking about. It's way too inconsistent. This one was glaring, but it also worked to their advantage in some in some points. But again, just like we were saying, it, it just never feels like they're on the same page. There's never any. <laughs> real cohesion between both sides of the ball. Wouldn't you rather have a defense that bend but doesn't break or they drop like eight every time and yeah, they might run you for 10, 15 yards, but at least you're eating some clock. I just feel like the defense that Alex Grinch wants to have where when it's a run play, we want it to be like blitz and we want to force the other team to make mistakes, but that can leave us kind of vulnerable. Isn't that sort of the bad style when you have this offense? Shouldn't you want it to be a little bit of a longer time of possession? And if you get burned, it takes a while instead of these big explosive plays. I've always thought the, I think it's the defensive coordinator's fault a little bit for why they don't mesh really well. You know what you have with Riley, and it's tough to be a defensive coordinator with Lincoln Riley as your head coach. That's been well documented. I just don't think the, the feast or famine, the, the all or nothing sort of defensive scheme that, that Alex Grinch runs, is that the best partnership for a, a fast-paced offense that, that can score at will? I, I don't think it is. Yeah, Eric Gentry talked, so you guys watched the interview. I mean, he talked about it was high-risk, high-reward, right? Like, they, you know, and I mentioned, like, it seems like you guys got some quality stops. Like, if you just looked at the defensive highlights, like, wow, that was a great force fumble, interception, fourth down stop, fourth down stop. Like, they had some high-quality stops, but when they didn't get the high quality stuff, it was touchdowns, you know? And he, you know, he sort of, he's like, yeah, I mean, he understood it too. But it was more about like the risk reward thing where there's, you're taking, it's a high risk defense. Um, you know, there's some complexities to it. And you're right. I, I think you have to consider is this really what's best for this team, the way it's constructed? Um, because. It just seems like, okay, one guy didn't fill his, didn't do his run fit correctly. And it turns into a 61 yard touchdown. Like you, you have to have someone else kind of stepping up. They're like, okay, there's, there's fail safes involved. There's, 
backups. I used to, back in the day, I was an engineer. We were designing computer chips for satellites. Like if something fails, you have to have like a backup up there because you can't go up and fix it in the satellite. You have backup plans and it just seems like something fails and the whole play is dead and you give up a touchdown and you can't expect, you know, 18 to 22 year old kids to just not ever make a mistake. Someone's got to be there to pick it up, you know, and it just seems like that's the case over and over again. One person makes a mistake and it's, it's like death. It's just touchdown and there's nothing else in between. Speaking of highlights, quick plug, I did post the field level highlights from Saturday's game. So if you want to watch the game again from a new perspective, they're up on YouTube right now and uh, they're fun. I got some good stuff. So just a quick yeah, plug of the field level highlights. Unlike the Notre Dame game where there just like was nothing, like <laughs> there was great highlights in this for the defensive side too, right? Like, yeah, there were some good plays. There yeah. Some, some energy. I got a great shot of the, the punt fumble that they caused. You know, there was some, there was some good stuff. Eric Gentry featured a lot in this one. So yeah. Great, we great weekend for Eric Gentry. And I can't be the only one. Why the heck hasn't he been playing more? <laughs> I thought at the beginning of the year when we did the most important Trojans, we had Mason Cobb really high and Eric Gentry really high. It seemed like everyone sort of thought, okay, those are going to be the pillars of the linebacking core and whoever fills in behind them, maybe they can push for playing time or maybe they'll just be reserves. But those are the two guys. And it took until this game for Gentry to really be one of the guys. He's had some other moments where he's had a good amount of snaps, but he started alongside Shane Lee and Mason Cobb, and he was in there with Gentry. I thought those two were, were the best linebackers, and I just don't know why that wasn't the combination from the get-go. Was it the Arizona game where he played and he graded out really, really well, and then we did not see him yeah, for the Notre Dame game? I think so. He just like yeah, disappeared. He played two snaps against played Notre Dame. played two snaps after grading out as the number one linebacker against Arizona. And then nothing. I don't know what he did against Utah, but he starts against California. And obviously, you see the impact that 18 has, the angry giraffe with those seven-foot arms and just all over the place. He's knocking people down. He's getting his hands up. I think he had two batted passes. Uh, he tipped one that was almost picked off by Mason Cobb. He had an interception. He is helping in coverage on that side of the field on the two-point conversion. Uh, Mendoza can't go to the tight end because he's being swallowed up by Eric Gentry. Maybe a little bit of a hole, but he can't throw. <laughs> he can't throw it to the easy tight end there. He's got to go over the top, make the difficult throw uh, to the back of the end zone, which is a play Jalen Smith can can make. So he was all over the place, and this is the kind of impact player we thought he would be and that's why we put him so high on our most important trojans did you uh so we were talking to him about we asked him about the angry giraffe nickname did you give him that nickname i didn't give him that nickname. okay we thought it might have been you we gave no, you credit no 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 not do me. you know where it came from i don't know where it came from but it's not me he wasn't sure either he liked it if he said if the fans did i, I don't mind it and I'm like, i think it might have been chris it sounds like it's a like, chris no thing. it does sound like a chris thing and i am dressed like a tiger but <laughs> i did not i did not give him that nickname All i right. do not want to take credit Okay. Uh, we talked about the defense a lot. We did have a comment from Marquise. Man, hold the offense to the same standard because they had been pedestrian, or should I say trash as well. We thought they could score at will, but they can't. Again, they've had some bright spots. I really like the fact one of my three keys of the game was, and I don't even know how I pulled this number out of my <laughs> butt, like 25 carries for running backs. I think Jack or RJ or someone might have suggested that. Which they don't, I don't think they've been close to that this year. And they got 26. Um, now, it was pretty slow going early on. Uh, Marshawn Lloyd ended up getting a couple of bigger carries later that really helped his average. He got over 100 yards. But 
they were dedicated to running the ball, similar to what they were doing against Notre Dame, where they didn't have the success. Um, they had, you know, not great success, but they kept running the ball against Cal. And then they eventually broke through and had some big runs, a couple touchdowns for Lloyd, touchdown for Austin Jones. They did run the ball, and I thought that was good. But it was, you know, they had four three and outs, I think. We just never saw this team get like that kind of the amount of three and outs that they're getting right now. But yeah, I mean, we got to talk about the offense too, because, you know, they scored 50, but it was helped by four turnovers from from Cal in this one. Yeah, I think 20 points off turnovers. So yeah, they got a lot of help with short field and stuff. And yeah, they haven't looked right in several weeks. They just seemed very, I don't know what the word is, like out of sync. Out of sync. It feels like it takes a lot of effort. You know, we've seen this offense where it looks effortlessly, where they're just moving at will. And it's not like that. It's like almost like pulling teeth sometimes. And it's just, I don't know what it is. I'm not an offensive genius uh, like Lincoln Riley. I cannot uh, tell like what exactly, you know, it probably goes down to the offensive line, wide receivers being out of sync, you know, the wide receivers outside of, you know, Taj Washington really has had two really good games back to back. But just hasn't had someone consistently to step up alongside Taj. I know Brendan Rice scored a touchdown. I know Kyron Hudson scored that really nice catch over the shoulder, but it's just like outside of him, they haven't had really anyone be as consistent as Taj. I think the tape is out on him a little bit, and there's been an established blueprint, not how to stop them, but how to slow them down, and I think a lot of people are doing that, and USC, they're adjusting, but it's taking them a little bit to punch back because they were so good last year, and Lincoln Riley has been so good doing this kind of offense for so long. Now Caleb Williams, he's back for his second season at USC, third in college. There's just a lot of film on him, and he might be a little banged up. Offensive line isn't very good, so there's a bunch of reasons. But at the end of the day, 50 points, even though it wasn't perfect, 50 points is really, really good. Against Utah, 32 points. That should be enough to beat Utah. The Notre Dame game, the offense was terrible. Arizona, they had some issues starting down 17 to nothing, but eventually getting the 43 points in the double overtimes. I just think the problems are on defense, and they're so much worse than they are on offense. Of course, there are issues on offense, and, and, and we, you know, we don't want to just forget about them, and people in the chat are right to bring them up. But, man, oh, man, the, the, the defense, I think, it's just that's what leads me every week to just kind of scratch my head, like, what is going on here? And if the defense was better, I think the team would be a hell of a lot better. I think they press sometimes as well, just because they feel the pressure yeah. of a defense yeah. that I think I called it a pressure cycle when I tweeted it out. It's just the defense isn't playing well, so then the offense feels like oh, it's the weight is on our shoulders to move the ball and score every time, because other if we don't, we're gonna lose or we're gonna go down. That's what happens. And then you press more, and the defense gets more anxious, and then it just this whole thing. So I think a little bit also is just feeling the pressure to score, and obviously that. Uh, that manifests itself in mistakes and uh, not executing and, th and things like that. And Lincoln Riley's talked so much about we kind of haven't had fun winning. And that makes me, what you just said, Chris, think of that. Like Caleb Williams, it's fun when they're scoring, but when they're not scoring, he gets frustrated. And the whole team, it's sort of frustrating and, and, and not fun is, is the vibe that I get from the team a lot. And I don't really know how that changes unless the defense plays better because you can afford to punt or make a mistake if the other side of the ball is bailing you up. But when you have to be perfect and you're not perfect, that's, of course, not very fun. Kristen on Facebook in the chat says, uh, uh, pass plays are not set up by the run game. No outlet receivers against the rush. I, I, thought, thought, it, I, thought, I thought you were reading a question from my real girlfriend. 
Oh. And I was uh, very confused for a second. Different. I don't think this is your girlfriend yes, on yes, Facebook. Yes. I, <laughs> let's assume. Maybe. That. It's not, I did have dinner that. with her last night, so. That was a that was a factual statement. That's not a burn. It's not a burn. I was also Chris was there. there. I was, was also there, there. So let's uh, let's let's everyone everyone settle down. Everyone settle down and get back to answering this Kristen's question about the past not setting up the run. Is that what it was? Yeah, that, but I I thought that they did a better job of it um, in this game, just being able to establish the run, and I think it opened up some things. There was some good play action, which I think Kale was really good. At the play action, I don't think they've been very good at the screen game, which is, you know, that's kind of concerning. But when they were, even when they weren't having success with the run, they kept trying to run the ball. They were handing the ball off to running backs. And then they had some play action pass stuff that worked. Um, I think it really helped having the run game, but it, that's not been the MO of this team most of the games. They definitely trusted the run game a little bit more than we've seen in, in the past several weeks. And to your point, look how well the pass was set up by. Cal's rushing attack with just they were murdering them in the first quarter and they were getting whatever they wanted in the pass game. That's how it works in uh, in a cohesive manner. So that uh, I think Ryan pointed that out during the game. Like, look how Cal's run game is affecting their pass game. It's they're so wide open and they're making plays down uh, all in the first half. Play action is really important. And I think Lincoln Riley learned a lesson from the Utah game, how important it is to run the ball. And I'm sure he knew it. And, you know, he's not learning anything new, but I think if he could go back in time, he probably would have run the ball a little bit more against Utah, and you saw that against Kale. Yeah. Um, we had a couple Super Chats again. Thank you very much. This one's from Matt. And uh, here, I think, with a little transitive property stuff going on. Okay. Stanford played well versus Washington. Uh, number 24,000 versus number five. Yeah, Stanford's pretty bad. You they, can play they, the transitive they've property. They've gotten better. They, they, they're not very good, but they've definitely gotten better. Yeah. I mean, they played better in the second half against USC, but remember, USC destroyed Stanford, and they should have probably beat Washington. Um, they were really close against Arizona, who's very good. Um, they played some way better games after uh, USC just curb stomped them. But, you know, more recent history, USC loses to Utah, and then they get curb stomped by Oregon. So, I mean, you can play like the, the game, but... USC played a really good first half against Stanford, and they've played pretty well since uh, a lot of different places. But thank you for that one, Matt. Ryan and I watched that fourth down call or play in the Stanford game where he just dropped it. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was uh, – yeah, they'd fourth the and two. They ran a trick play. And it's like, oh, you're going to have like some receiver throw the ball. And it – I mean, it was there. But it worked is what I'm saying. He just I dropped mean, it didn't work. It, it well, should have worked. In, in – paper it worked he was wide open he just dropped the easiest pass of his life i have seen a lot of people say washington's beatable washington's beatable and they I just said it yeah they are but i, I mean, mean those receivers in... are nasty who's gonna stop them on, on defense well, their, their receivers they are didn't amazing. score an offensive touchdown against arizona state they Penix didn't throw a touchdown against arizona yeah, on the road what's gonna happen against usc um, yeah. <laughs> but we've seen them be they're not like so that's the problem is when usc's bad everyone's a world beater like Everyone's just going to kill USC. I'm like, USC has a chance without all these teams, but the way they're playing, it's not great, you know? But Washington's been, you know, playing with their food for the last <laughs> few weeks, you know? So it's not like... They've looked human. Very human. Like, and USC can do that. And you know, USC could get blown out. They could play well. James had a super chat. Caleb seems frustrated early and often. Are there locker room issues? 
I don't think there's locker room issues. I just think obviously the season isn't going based on what the expectations were for the year. You know, they're they're seven and two. They're out of the college football playoff. That was kind of you know the main goal for this team is to make a run. Obviously, Caleb last year on this famous Heisman speech. You know, I'm up here, but I you guys get to play in the college football playoff. That's where he wanted to be, and he's not going to be there. And so I'm not saying there's locker room issues. I just think that the expectations and the the mood has changed with that locker room because. They know they're not going going to the big dance, if you will. You know, they still have hope for a Pac-12 championship, obviously, but they have to realign their uh, their expectations of what the season was supposed to be, which can be hard. You know, obviously, you have you go and thinking one thing, and then you know, reality hits you in the face, and you're you, you don't you don't get that opportunity anymore, and especially you know for Caleb trying to make one final run uh, at USC. Frustration is definitely the biggest part of it, but also he's just so under the microscope. And I feel like everything he does is scrutinized and people have opinions about every little thing he does from his nails to his performances to just him maybe rolling his eyes every now and then. And I don't know, in fact, if that has anything to do with it, but how can that not when you're just so under the microscope and everything you do, people talk about every little detail, that's got to be kind of tiring. And I'm sure he gets frustrating from that or frustrated by that too. Could you imagine, you know, some random fan running up on you after you had a bad incident oh. and trying to get a, uh, oh. a selfie with you? Like, yeah. how's, for that how's, how's that instant, bro? Yeah. What did you make of, uh, <laughs> so Caleb Williams, uh, this was really weird. Um, after the game, we only got Lincoln Riley. We only got him for three questions Ooh. to start. Um, I got to get the first one in, and he gave me a really long answer about the whole. He's figured out how, how to how to do these press conferences. Long winded answers, and that way I won't have to face it's, it's many the Grinch. Questions. It's the Grinch method. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it's they're only, even shorter. With only Grinch. three questions, which was a little frustrating. But I mean, I get it. He's coming. He was sick. Like yeah. maybe you don't keep him out that long. Yeah. And you want to ask, like he, someone asked him like how he's feeling. He's like, thanks for asking. I was like, wait, we would have, but we just not going to get much time with you, so we have to really ask questions about this team. Then they brought out all the players like in a like a huge group that they, they were all standing up and we're all sitting down and Eric Church was like, Hey, where are the players? Why are we sitting? I'm like, I don't know. They set this up. We would, we would much rather you sit down around the room. And we could talk to you individually, but Ye- Caleb, William, your SID. It's not us. Yeah. yeah. We did set this up. Um, so we got players, but it was just all at once um, instead of being able to ask. So it's tough. You get a couple of questions for each guy. Caleb Williams, Caleb Williams's answer, uh, former uh, student of Chris, by the way, um, <laughs> Yeah, whatever. Uh, it was kind of defensive almost. Like oh, he was yeah. defending oh, yeah. himself about, you know, I had 70% completions and blah, blah. You know, there was a bunch of stuff. I'm like, you don't need to defend yourself. Like you're the Raiden Heisman Trophy winner. You know, it's like, you're good. Everyone knows. But I think there's questions about his pinky or whatever. And um, But that was a little weird to me because, you know, Lincoln Riley's kind of acted and battled a little bit this year, um, even when they were undefeated. And that kind of gave me like a feeling of embattlement for Caleb Williams too, like needing to defend, um, you know, his track record, which I don't think he needs to do, but any kind of thoughts on that? His answer. Because, because Oh, I'm going out a little bit. Can you hear me? Yeah, I got gotcha. you. It's, it's because he's, he's hearing the noise, I think. And imagine if everyone for a whole year says, you're going to be the number one pick. You're going to be the number one pick. You hit some adversity. And now it's like, Oh, is he going to be the number one pick? Like I defend myself too. And I think that certainly is part of it because now Notre Dame, that was three games ago, and he's still saying, I've only had one bad game in college. I don't know if that's the best thing for him to be saying, but but he is saying it, and he just keeps doubling down on that. I've only had one bad game. I've only had one bad game. I think the, the stuff is in his head a little bit, and I don't think he needs to be like 
that, that's not a bad thing. I, it's so hard to, to deal with all that stuff. Yeah, I can't imagine the pressure of someone in that under that microscope and you know in the in a sport like college football yeah. where it's like all on you and the quarterback. You know, like Ryan, what did what did uh, Matt Lionheart have to deal with if he had a bad game? It's like a couple of newspaper articles. Now, if you have a bad game, you have to deal with. You blog, suck. You stink. Twitter, Twitter, yeah. TikTok, uh, memes about you. Your Guys tre- running on the field. You're trending on social media after like one bad play. They're making fun of you for your nails. They're just all these things coming at you. It's really. I know they can say they can t- tune it all out or whatever, but there's just so much. It's hard to. You can't tune out everything. You just can't unless you get rid of your phone and don't have internet access. You, you know? know You know what Eric Gentry said, Chris? He deletes Twitter like for the week, game weekend and then puts it back on. So he doesn't hear any of the stuff on social media. That's a good good strategy. It explains why sometimes I can't find his Twitter. Yeah. I'll look for him and he's not there. So He deletes it. A good good strategy. But still, even if you do that, there's still other things. Does he delete TikTok? Is he on TikTok? I don't know. Does he have Instagram? I don't know. There's so many things that where they can get you and seep in your head. And, you know, just kind of throw you off your game. Matt Leinart. Um, so he was he kind of transcended the sport, too, because I remember I mean, I've told the story before, you know, it's probably 2005. So, you know, he's dating like one of the girls from the hills or something like that. I mean, like Kristen Cavalier, I don't know, something like whatever. He's like a, a like this woman comes all dressed up from People magazine, comes to practice and she's like. Is Matt Leinhart here? Like she had no idea what <laughs> anything was going on. Like that was a whole different world. Like that's college football was never that big. And like he, him and Reggie sort of became this big thing. Caleb Williams and and now with NIL, people are taking it to another level. Like I was at the Laker game uh the other night. And he was, you know, sitting courtside and gets dapped up by uh Kevin Durant and is sitting next to the Sun's owner. You know, he's on all these national TV commercials. Like there's there's a lot. I mean, you get a lot more benefits too, but there's going to be the more of that, the more pressure, the more rumors about him wanting to own a damn NFL team and stuff like stupid stuff like that. Because there's, as a college athlete now, you can be like a professional. And uh, that just wasn't the case for most of the whole history of college football. The noise is a, I don't know, what, what's going on here? here? Let me unplug you for a second. Yeah. Uh, he was saying the noise. <laughs> There we but go. not from me. There you go. <laughs> yeah, sorry. It, no, it's just the noise is just so much more intense and louder, and I, I don't envy him being in that position. I, of course, would love to be a guy who makes a lot of money playing a sport. That sounds amazing, but all the other stuff that comes with it, that is really hard to deal with. Yeah. Uh, we had a super chat from uh, Matt Liner. <laughs> Matt Leinhart? It wasn't Matt, it wasn't Matt Liner. no. Um, it's funny. He tweeted something like, like a get your popcorn or he was like a popcorn oh, yeah. meme or something. And everyone on the boards was just like, what does this, what does this mean? mean? What does what this does mean? You know? And I like, I mean, I asked him and he said it was, uh, it was something to do with like Brady Quinn. It wasn't anything <laughs> to do with him. So USC fans were like, wah, wah. that's always the case. Like on the message boards, we love them. The people are like, there's always like conspiracy theories. There's always something crazy going on. And when you come in with like, when they're like, oh, I think this means this, or that means they're going to get this recruited because they said this. And then you go on and you're like, no, I asked them and it's not that, it's this. And they're just like, 
they much rather would have the hope that it's like this crazy thing, like instead of like you telling them, no, here's what the facts are, and that's not you're you're it's a fun theory, but it's not that's not you true. You can never be vague on Twitter. I could go right now, tweet like a Christmas tree and eyeball emoji, and then just <laughs> walk away and I would destroy watch the world you. Burn. I would watch the world burn. <laughs> I'll do it. I'll do it. Matt says, How about the protest delays to start the game uh, for 15 minutes? It was only seven minutes. Um, we talked to Eric about that too, and he was—he had mentioned to the security guards, like, "Aren't you guys going to do your job or something?" <laughs> and I saw Cooper Lovelace talking to a security guard. I couldn't read his lips from where I was, but I'm like, he is definitely telling them to go move those guys. Um, you were on the field, Chris. What was that like? Bizarre. I—I I, I still want to know how they got on the field. Like, where did they come from? It was like after they, the coin flip. They just right? did the coin flip, and then they I was bought like, tickets and just ran on. No one stopped them. Is that what happened? Yeah. Okay, I did not see that because I was like getting ready, my camera ready, and then I look up and it's like, okay, why are these people sitting? Then I saw all the photographers rushing to field. I was like, oh, this is Cal Berkeley. This is a protest. <laughs> my first Cal Ber Berkeley protest. So I ran over there and started getting some photos of what was going on. I thought I didn't know what it was. Uh, apparently, it was for a a professor. Uh, they were protesting the suspension or firing of a, a professor suspended so. for stalking a student. So. No, a, a, another professor. Oh, I thought it was a student. It was no a fellow professor. Yeah, so someone fake news by me. That's okay. Yeah, no, I someone because I tweeted, I'm like I was binoculars. I'm like it said justice for, and I couldn't read. And I think it was Yvonne. Yeah. And then someone replied to my tweet. Um, it's justice for Yvonne, and they sent me the the article, and it doesn't look good. The article was not very flattering for the professor because she keyed like this other professor's car like threatened the professor's the other professor's like mom there was a lot of stuff that she was she keyed the mom keyed the she keyed <laughs> the mom and threatened the car no it was there was a lot of stuff and she admitted to the stuff but then said she needed like help and i just it wasn't a, it was like if you just read the article you're like okay this is not um yeah she would it said sexually harassing a student, but I think it was a professor. The article I read was it was a fellow professor. Maybe it was on student. top of that. Maybe if maybe, it was a student, maybe. it's even worse. But I thought it was, the article I read was it was uh, for a professor. Maybe there was something else there too, but it wasn't like it wasn't anything like national news. It was or international news. This was it like seemed this. like something very small to protest. Right. I thought it was going to be something bigger, like housing or you know, what's going on in the Middle East. But no, it's a professor yeah. that uh, keyed someone's car. And it was, the article I'm looking at was against the professor here. We okay. don't have to spend a ton of time on this. No, no, no. no, no. <laughs> let's, let's spend 20 minutes on this. Take a call about this specific. We could, you know, we should take a call, though. Because um, we got our friend. Dave from Iowa. Dave from Iowa. You oh, know, he's on there. Let's pull him up. Uh, Mr. David from the great state of Iowa. You're on television. How you doing, man? Hey, guys. What's up? So, uh, Ryan, you called Cal terrible last week. So since USC beat them by one point, what does that make USC? And another question. I don't know, I don't know if you guys have noticed, but all these defensive-minded head coaches really know how to you know, handle the defense, and then the offense is pretty good. Why is it kind of the opposite for Lincoln Riley and USC? Thanks, uh, Dave, for the question. Um, did we get that? Okay. Uh, cool. Thank you for that. Um, okay. So here's Cal's record. Uh, one and four in conference, three and five overall. Uh, they beat North Texas. They lost to Auburn. They beat Idaho and, uh, they beat Arizona state by three. Um, 
but they lost all the other ones. They don't, you know, Idaho's not good. North Texas not good. This is not a very good team. I told you they have a good offense and they have a pretty bad defense. Um, and that's sort of where you are. But yeah, USC beat them by one, but that's transitive. We're not doing transitive property stuff around here. To the second part of the call, Dan Weber wrote this great story. I guess if you go back through the last 25 college football national champions, all but four of them had defensive-minded head coaches. It is pretty hard to win at the highest level with, with an offensive-minded guy. It's even harder to win with an offensive-minded guy who calls the plays. I think the last one to do that is Jimbo Fisher at Florida State. It does not happen very often where a head coach who calls the offensive plays wins a national title. I think it's certainly fair to talk about that, and it's a great question by Dave right there. Why, if the offense is so good or, or the defense is bad for a lot of these teams, look, look at a Lane Kiffin coach team where some of the defenses aren't very good, but his offenses are usually pretty good. I don't have an answer for that, but it's certainly a good question, and it makes you kind of wonder, would USC be better off with a defensive-minded coach? Maybe. I can't believe I just went that far. I believe oh, in Riley, oh, and I think, whoa, 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 whoa. I think uh, he's, he's going to do a nice job in the long run. But, I mean, the, the track record and the history is the history. Defensive guys have more success at the highest level. Oscar says Chip has an elite defense. They do have a really good defense. Yeah, they ha right and they have a damn good first-year coordinator who they kind of got lucky on. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Yeah, I, I don't really know why that is. Maybe it's just this mentality of, like, I'm going to outscore. I'm going to outscore you. It doesn't matter. I could just put in whatever defense I want, and it doesn't matter because I'm going to put up 55, 60 points every time. And if you score 40 or 30, it doesn't matter because I scored more than you. Maybe maybe that's the, the mentality. I don't know. I think it is, but it, is that a recipe for winning at the the highest level? I, I think pretty clearly that's a no. But no one will admit that. Yeah. No one will admit Here, that. This is coming up a lot, and I need to get you guys' thoughts on this. Paul says, then why the heck did Mike Bone spend $110 million for Riley? Okay, first, we don't know how much he spent. And his record is impeccable. Right. You Because he's his resume is top five in the country as far as coaches go. So USC was in the shitter. And then you go get a top five coach who has a very impressive resume at a very young age. He wins 83% of his games. That is so good. Yes. Uh, and the money thing needs to stop because you don't know how much he makes. There's not, there's no public, no one's reported officially what they've put people through some numbers out there. It's probably in the 10 million a year range. It's not your money. Who cares? Like that's the going rate for a great coach. Um, that's just what it is. You have to pay something like that to get a really good coach. And you pulled the, a really good coach from a blue blood program. And that hadn't happened in 30 years. So I don't want to hear any more about he makes too much money. He's not paid enough for what he brings to the table. Just winning the Heisman Trophy is worth how much for USC. So it's not your money. Who gives a crap how much money he's making? But you're paying him that money because he's got an amazing resume for a 40-year-old coach. Um, yeah, the aspirations are to win national championships, but you had to crawl up out of the, I mean, you, you dug yourself such a deep hole. You were in the abyss with all the Clay Helton years and you climb out of it in year one and win 11 games. Now they got a lot of work to do to kind of get back to that. And that's a little frustrating to not go from, to go from a step down from year one to year two, but you hired that guy cause he's got a great resume and that's why.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello everyone, it's Michael Richards here. You might have seen me on CBS working on their Champions League coverage over the last couple of years. I wanted to tell you about an exciting new podcast that I've been working on. It's called The Rest is Football. It's me, alongside Gary Lineker and Alan Shearer, two absolute legends of the game. The show combines topical debate from the world of soccer along with outrageous tales from our careers. And I mean, outrageous. Just search the rest is football wherever you get your podcasts. All the best from Big Meats. Is no one going to compliment Dave from Iowa for keeping it quick? He's, Very, done, he's done an excellent job lately. Nice job, Dave. Uh, he's taking the coaching is what you're saying? <laughs> and the last thing on Lincoln Riley, he just raises your floor so high, yeah. winning double-digit games every year, not losing to teams, even though they almost did to Cal, who, who you shouldn't lose against. They, their only losses have been against ranked teams. People get mad at the bowl game last year. I get it, but at least Tulane was ranked. He just raises raised your floor so much. The people are so upset about the untrained eye comment and the defense being bad. What you have to hope for is that, as a lot of good coaches do, he adapts going forward. And you might not be able to see it right now because the defense hasn't been good. And Riley says a lot of very similar things after a lot of these games. But I believe that he will see something based on this season that warrants change. He has to make some changes to what he's doing because even his track record is good, but he hasn't had success at the highest level. And I, I think he's, he's going to change. The, we got, I wish you luck. <laughs> I wish you luck. Beck says Saban won a natty in two years. Okay. One, he's the greatest coach in the history of college football. So you want to compare Lincoln Riley to him. Two, he won in two years at Alabama after already coaching at Michigan State and LSU, where he won championship. So, I mean, this is not, that's not, that's apples and oranges for sure. And you're also comparing him to the greatest of all time. So if you're going to say, oh, I really like the Miami Dolphins coach. What's the, the weird, the nerdy guys looking name? What's his name again? It's like, Mike gonna, McDaniel. Yeah. I'm going to compare him to Bill Belichick, who, you know, got fired early on in his career and then, you know, rattled off six Super Bowls or whatever it was. It, that's it. That's who you're comparing him to? And you're just like, after he's been at a couple Blue Bloods already, and then he goes to Alabama and goes on this most amazing run? He's done more at 40 years old than Nick Saban has at 40 years old, if you want to do that comparison. How's that? How do you like that? How do you like them apples? <laughs> How do you like them oranges? Do you not think he's going to change, Chris? You know, I I won't pretend to like know inside the mind of a high-level coach who has their own ego i mean at that level you have to ho have this ego where you know to a certain extent you have to be steadfast and believe in what you're doing go on that path you have you can't second guess yourself i know it's hard to like accept if something's not working i mean do i think at the end of the year that they're going to make a change i would say it's like 60 40 percent right now 60 40 percent because I think they're going to get slaughtered in Eugene. Yeah. I think that – because, like, if they – if Oregon puts up 70 points, 
Like, if they put up... Jeez, Chris. Points. Well, Dan Lanning is going to not take his foot off the gas. He is not. If it, if it comes he is to not. That. He is not putting on kid gloves no. for that game. He is going to do whatever he can to Mortal Kombat finish USC in that stadium in Austin. He's going to do whatever he can. I don't care if that defense is giving up play after play. He's going to keep going so they go play after play after play. And he is going to do his best to embarrass USC. And if that happens, you have to figure it's going to shatter this disillusion that this your Alex Grinch is the person. Something has to – the breaking point has to be reached. Have we reached the breaking point yet? I don't know. I think we're close, but I don't think it's been reached yet. And I think it's going to take something like that. Not that I'm saying I want USC to get slaughtered in Austin, but you have to see what's coming. You have to see what's on the horizon. Look what they did to Utah, a team that you know beat USC at home. I mean, I would like to read. Make sure you read Chris's ghost notes uh, after the game, because you see the stuff on Twitter, right? I mean, we're or we're in the chat, Fire Grinch, blah, blah, all the stuff, right? How bizarre message boards. I mean, there are literally people yelling it to the players, to the coaches. Like, it's not like they don't hear it. Like, they know the, that people was, want. Yeah, I was going to say, there was a guy, like, hammered. Not hammered, but he was, like, aggressively violent about the fact that if he got on the field, he was going to, like, attack Grinch, it felt like. Uh, that was a USC fan. That's not like, good. Like, that's how angry he was. Again, he was drunk, probably wouldn't have done anything, probably would have got in his face like like a drunk guy would. But there's, like, actual, like, pure anger and hatred from USC fans that I see – in the fa- in the stands, you know, yelling things down at these coaches. So, like, I hear it. I hear it all. Like, I understand you're you're mad and you're angry, but above all, remember these are human beings. And I wrote about this after the Tulane game. You know, you thought, okay, that's that's it. That's the last straw. You're going to see a change. And I know everyone was. You thought there was going to be a change after Tulane. Yeah, I did. I did. I did think for a glimpse there was, and then Riley kind of shut that down in the presser, but. I remember how like that was like the the bottom falling out that Tulane that drive that end that collapse all of it on the defense and then I remember standing in the tunnel and Alex Grinch was there and then his family came over and you remember oh he's not just this people this person that everyone wants to like sacrifice but like he's a dad he's a husband his wife came over his kids everyone was sad you know you remember when the game is over that they're you know a human being there's a person uh under that and i know you know it's college football he says all the time that's the nature of the game you feel the pressure you take the results with it so i don't know what i'm really saying the point is i'm just saying like it's there's so much hatred right now that i see but above all just remember it is a game this is you know you never want to see anyone fired or never want to call for someone's job but just remember at the end of the day it is just a game there's bigger things going on i know you're a fan but just Try to keep that perspective is all I'm saying. Uh, public service message. Um, and I, you From know, a guy dressed like a tiger. Exactly. But I would say for like, they know it. And I, Lincoln Riley is not going to, when he was asked about it after the game about making staff changes or anything, he's like, I'm focused on beating Washington. Like that's where their focus is. My honest opinion is that he's going to change after the season. Um, I really feel like that's the vast, most likely thing. 
the fact that he's not throwing anybody under the bus right now or making changes now, I know people are like, well, that means he's never going to make a change. I don't think so. I think he knows the temperature of what's going on around him. And it's hard. It's definitely difficult. He made the decision to bring everybody back and it wasn't a popular decision. And, you know, sometimes that works out and sometimes it doesn't. This one has not worked out. They're bad. Um, and I guess it kind of leads to the question here from Kevin uh, from YouTube. Is it fair to say the defense is worse than the 2022 team? I don't think it's worse because I think they do better stuff, but they're they're give, still giving up a lot of huge plays. It's, it's getting there, but I still think 2022 was worse. I don't, what do you guys think? Better, but not close to being better enough. Yeah, fair enough. Shotgun and Shotgun and I were asked a kind of a similar question on Helium Boys podcast. Who would win last year's team or this year's team in a head-to-head matchup? Last year's team would win. Yeah, last year's team would win because. But I it's think, just like a better team. Yeah, it's a better team, and they have the better defensive player in Tuli Two Pelo Two, and that I think is like the difference. They have a better offensive line. I think the twenty twenty three team's more talented. Yes. But the 2022 team was better. And that's hard for fans to understand, too, because... That's hard for me to understand. Yeah. <laughs> why, why do you think that is? Yeah. I mean... That that shouldn't be the... You know we, what I mean? Every So every offseason, when people are talking about what they're... And it's harder to project now because of the transfer portal. But you're like, how many players are coming back? And sometimes you lose the whole offensive line that was terrible, and you're better with a bunch of freshmen playing the next year. Like, it's... You know, the team, it's going to be greater. Uh, the whole is going to be greater than the sum of its parts. But we look at the parts. You're like, okay, well, they got these good linebackers. And they got, okay, these good safeties. And uh, this good rush end. And you can look at a collection of talent. If you're playing a video game, that's fine. But this isn't a video game. You have to get all these guys to play together. Um, there's a lot that goes into this. So I feel like 2023, more talent than the USC team. 2022, it's a better team. And there's just a lot that goes into making a good team than just, you know, just the, if you were putting, uh, you know, a, a Madden grade on every player, it's going to be a higher group than last year, but it didn't make the team. But like, in the, you can't really simulate it in a video game. That's a better team. You got better players, you gonna have a better team. Um, in real life, though, I don't think that's the case. And that's what makes fans so frustrated, I think. They feel, and I feel the same way, that the team should be better and for for whatever reason, it does look like in a few areas they have taken small steps back. And defensively, maybe they have taken a small step forward, but you needed to take a big step forward. Yeah. Don't don't count out back to the the original topic of like, will they make a change? Don't count out the scapegoat theory where you fire yeah. multiple coaches and not the actual DC well, it, like Helton did in uh, 2018 where he kept Clancy and everyone thought Clancy was going to get fired, but they just fired like a bunch of people under him. Yeah. If if Grinch comes back though, after what's happened these last two weeks, I guess if USC wins the Pac twelve championship, okay, I get it. But if things continue this way, I, I just feel like forget it. Forget yeah. what happens in the future. The damage the the nail should be in the coffin based off of Utah in, in last week. Those are two performances where it's like, okay, there's been enough time, the new players have come in, what do you got? And you have a loss to Utah and a last second field goal where you couldn't get a stop. And a Cal game where you got off the field at the very end, but 49 points and Cal had a chance to win despite making a lot of mistakes on, on offense too. Uh, I don't know. I, I just, if I was a fan, I'd be like, okay, why am I going to invest my time when I know what's going to happen? Because there's been so much evidence that it hasn't been good enough. It's, it's not going to change. Something needs to change. I, I, I think so. We'll see. Speaking of, I wish you luck, man. Thanks. Oh, oh, oh. Dave says national media. 
don't know who that person is. Has USC losing final three to finish seven and five? Do you agree? Do you agree? I don't think they lose final three. Yeah, I don't think. Jack and I said two and two on Thursday. Yeah, so I think one they win at right least now. one of the next three. Uh, I think they have a shot of beating Washington for sure. We've seen them be vulnerable. Uh, but there's not a consensus that the national media is all thinking USC is going to be seven and five. But a bunch of people do. And, you know, for good reason. They just haven't played very well. So um, let's go to Bobby. Bobby. Bobby Q. Bobby Q. I like the play on words there. I was at the Cal game. So we were all there, too. Uh, was my perception off? It just seemed that USC's defensive guys are just not big enough. Thoughts? What do you think about the size of USC's defense? I think that's part of it. And that's been an issue with run defense. And I think you saw it, especially without Bear Alexander. I, I do think that's a part of the problem for sure, especially on the interior of that defensive line. Yeah, I think they're definitely small in some spots. Obviously, Stanley Tawafu and Tyron Tillani aren't the biggest guys out there. I don't understand why Jack Sullivan doesn't get more run. He's, he's a big guy. He's a Big Ten guy. But obviously, he has not fallen into favor with the defensive staff. And they still want to play Tawafu and Stanley. No knock on them. But they are smaller guys. So it's, it is they're more susceptible to getting, you know, kind of a run blocked into uh, – into big plays for whatever offense they're going against. So, yeah, I think they're they're definitely bigger than last year, but they are still small in some spots. Uh, just want to thank everybody. I think we have like 400 people uh, live on YouTube, and I don't think we have any uh, Oklahoma fans in there right now. So that was oh, the one. Oh, I wonder why. Yeah, and, and if there are any, first of all, thanks for watching. If you're <laughs> if you're not like spamming our chat, you're probably a you know a, a sensible Oklahoma fan. That was a tough loss. Wishing you the best of luck going forward. Um, but you have a great team. It's been two years. I would like to focus on your team. And uh, it's a great team. They're, you know, they got one loss there, so it's not too bad. We do have a call. Oh. Yeah, let's see. Uh, caller, you are on uh, Tunnel Vision. Can you hear me? And uh, what's your name? Where are you calling from? Hey, this is Mark from Arizona. Hey, Mark. How are you guys Mark. doing tonight? Good. Hey. My question is, you know, I've been a, a fan and a person that's been there for 60 years watching USC. I've been down there at the tunnel. I've been everything. And the thing that bothers me a little bit is the media thing with 30 minutes of practice. That's never been the norm at USC. Every coach that we've had has always wanted the media to be there because that's who markets our people. That's who markets swimming. That's who markets everything because they see USC on TV. They see it. They hear it on the radio. And I, I don't get that. The other part is um, the, the defensive coordinator. You know, I, I, you know it's, it's a problem. We know it. But the real big question I have is, do you think the AD is going to – She's new, I know it, but do you think she's going to come on board and say, hey, Lincoln, we need to discuss something? I'd like you guys' thoughts. Thanks well, thanks, for the, and, uh, well, thanks, Mark. Arizona, right? Thanks yep. a lot, Ryan. All right. Well, thanks for, uh, thanks for calling in. Um, yeah, we would love to see the practices more open. It, I mean, over the years, it kind of started with like the uh, Cody Kessler kind of years for whatever reason. He was never crushed in the media, but man, he just, he blocked a lot of us and he's come back and apologized and everything. It's just like sort of the way he dealt with things. 
you know, he didn't do the Eric Gentry delete Twitter. He like blocked a lot of people. Like, I don't know if I ever said anything bad about him on Twitter and I was blocked and like Keeley was blocked. Like all these people were blocked. And uh, it sort of changed a little bit. Um, usually the quarterbacks were on board. We could watch the summer workouts and everything. And that kind of changed then. The more embattled Clay Helton got, the more restrictive things got. And then sometimes we couldn't watch and then we could watch portions. And Lincoln Riley was someone, you know, coming from Oklahoma where media wasn't allowed to watch very much or, you know, and um, so that's sort of kind of where that is is coming from. This is the most restrictive it's been. But to be fair, like the whole college football is trending that way, too. It's not just uh, Lincoln Riley, I guess. But it's, you know, we would love to be out there and be able to because if we could say, hey, Eric Gentry's been just crushing it in practice and he didn't play in the Notre Dame game, then that's one thing. You know, we used to be able to say stuff like that. I mean, we would tell you. Um, Sam Darnold's kind of. Yeah, Sam uh, Darnold's like on the scout team, like crushing people. And you're like, oh, so he's probably going to be good when he gets in. But we can't do that kind of stuff really anymore. It's a Lincoln Riley policy and doesn't help us do our jobs. People don't like to hear the media complain about media access. I've been after I complained about how no players talked the other game. And, and that was funny. How about Lincoln Riley the other day? Oh, well, today we'll let you talk to players, kind of like giving us a reward. I, yeah. I, I don't know. That that was kind of weird. He, he said that before uh, leaving from his press conference. So here I am complaining after saying I didn't want to do that. But I, I wish practice was open, too. It's It's definitely annoying. Mark, I wish we got thirty minutes. Yeah, we don't. Yeah. even <laughs> we get what ten? I get, I get not. I get eight. A minute and thirty seconds, probably. No, however long warmups are now, it's probably like less than five, six to seven minutes. I'm gonna time it one day, just to, just to get the real effect of how much, how uh, how long we get, because uh, it's just literally just the team warm up. And they don't even let us finish the team warm-up. We're, we're out before the even team warm-up ends. And a bonus note, not related to any of his questions, but Mark sounds super young. He said 60 years as like a fan. Yeah. I guess that means he's like 60 plus. But he I thought it was like a, a 30-year-old man or something. So credit to your young-sounding voice, Mark. <laughs> yes. What was the second part? I, I have it right here. I wrote it down because I would always forget. I always do. He, he asked, would Jen Cohen push Lincoln Riley to oh. make a change? Everything I've heard is that she has guts and she will get in there and try, try to do something if she thinks that there's an issue with the football team. She hired Jimmy Lake, and then when it was apparent that he wasn't the man for the job, she fired him even though she he was his he was her guy. I, I just think, like, she might be able to push, but who's really in charge? Is she in charge or is Lincoln Riley in charge? And if a change isn't made, I think we'll know who has the final say, at least right now. That could change in the future, but that's a fascinating part of it, I think, for the offseason. Yeah, I would say Lincoln Riley's in charge of what's going on. Um, Jenko just got there. Do I think she's going to walk into Lincoln Riley's office? I mean, she knows what the temperature is. He does, too. I don't think there's anything... She's not going to like go in there and say, you need to fire this guy. I, I just, I don't see that happening. I think she's someone that can make bold moves, but you just came into the situation. Like literally she's weeks in, you know, it's not that much, a couple of months. It's just not a lot. And I think she's got to understand what everything that's going on. Um, I know she's hearing from fans and she's an you know open person and you get it. Uh, I think it's all things that'll be discussed. But if you're thinking that there's going to be some moment that Jen Cohen's like, Lincoln, you need to come into my office, <laughs> shut the door, and here's what we're going to do. I, yeah, I think Lincoln Riley's going to be on. I, I think he would be agree agreeable. Like if they don't win the Pac-12, 
championship this year that you got to make some some changes. So, but I wouldn't expect that it's like two months into the job, Jen Cohen's going to start pushing him around or something. I just, yeah, I don't think that's the, the case. My opinion, but we shall see. Uh, let's see. We got one from Dave Rice. Is Caleb dealing with a finger issue on his throwing hand? Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> yeah, he's dealing with a pinky. He says it doesn't bother him. I'm sure it bothers him a little more than he, he leads he's still on. Still ripping the ball, Connor. Yeah, still, says he's still, still ripping the ball. Ripping the ball on that fumble that he recovered. It looked like he hit it on one of the helmets of a Cal player. I, I think it's something worth monitoring. But obviously, he's still able to play, and it's just more of a nuisance, is what Lincoln Riley said a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Uh, this is another. This is another one from Beck. Uh, besides the defensive coordinator change, any other changes? Uh, you see that need to be made. Well, are, are they referring to, I guess, just anything? I think uh, anything. I mean, maybe a I, special teams coordinator. I don't know if you necessarily need a special teams. You need more oversight of special teams if it's a full time. I don't care what it is, but you have to change whatever, whoever, however it's being run. Someone needs to be in charge of special teams. And if it's some low-level analyst that doesn't have the opportunity to tell a bunch of assistant coaches that are full-time what to do, then that's not the right way to do it. You need someone overseeing this whole thing because it just looks like no one's running. The, it's just like it's just going off. It's a, a runaway train and just bad things happen over and over again. And you need someone at the top to say, this has to stop. And we're going to pull this guy from this practice period into this one because we need work on special teams. Something like that, because I just don't. My guess, we don't get to watch. My guess is that's not happening right now. So just make one of the like you talking about give someone double duty, like an assistant coach. Like, I think someone needs to be running it, make, and it's probably better Luke to have it at a full time assistant that maybe has other things. But if you, Lincoln Riley talked about, he's got guys that have special teams, you know, experience. Well, instead of, um, you know, Luke Heward like working with the punt return guys or whatever he's doing and roll, like make him in charge of all of it. You know, like you run the whole thing. So you're telling these guys what to do when um, you're running these periods, some, some oversight from someone that has actual authority, not an analyst. It would be my suggestion. I think Jim Harbaugh's son, Jay does that at Michigan. He's the safeties coach and the special teams coordinator. So he's the guy who is in charge and will answer for it. If there's a special teams problem, whereas now, Lincoln Riley answers for it. Yeah. Yeah. Luke Heard, you're the second wide receivers coach. Let's add a little more to your plate. Let's give I you, like it. Let's, let's give you the special teams. I, it's funny. Um, see him. He walks around the field before the game. He does. I thought it was crazy. It was like uh, Groundhog's Day. I was standing in the corner. He walked by me like three times. Yeah, he, do, he does laps or something. But I, and it was funny. From the press box, I saw somebody walking. And I just watched too much stuff, I guess. And I, I did, couldn't see who it was. But... By his gait, I could. I'm like, that's Luke Heard, <laughs> and I put my binoculars up. Oh, it was. Um, yeah, I don't know. That's just his thing. He just like walks around the uh, the field. We got one for you, Chris. Oh no, S.E. Neal. Why does Chris have a Whataburger logo on his forehead? <laughs> it does look kind of like that. I. Are, we, are you going to get the one shot? Oh yeah, let me give you the one shot. Okay. Hold on. Let me hold still. I I didn't really get a close look at whatever design. Uh, my real girlfriend put on my forehead, but I do like Whataburger, so uh, I'm okay with it. I'm okay with it. I know a lot of California people probably <laughs> won't be. I don't know why I said California like that. 
California won't like it, but uh, you know that that's just what it is. That's just what it is. If yeah. you're seeing Whataburger and the the lines on my forehead, then so be it. Nice. So be it. Um, well, great stuff, guys. Run so much smoother without Jack. You know, I can go off the rails. No, I'm just kidding. Um, we miss Jack. He'll be back uh, for our. We got a Thursday show, right? Yep. Um, who's doing that one? Probably you, me, and Jack. I think so. Connor, uh, Ryan, and Jack will do that. Shamrock it's, Boys. <laughs> Shamrock Boys. It's reunion weekend. It is my 30th reunion for undergrad Woo. at USC, which is crazy. Give, give me the zero. The 30. Are oh. we backwards? Uh, backwards, yeah. So, so there you go. <laughs> or you could just switch. Uh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> too, much, uh, too much effort on our part. But I hope you guys can... Uh, Says the man dressed like a tiger. Go check it out. <laughs> um, yeah. So there's, there's a bunch of events going on down there. So yeah, we'll do the show Thursday night. And uh, yeah, it should be a fun weekend. I mean, who the heck knows? Uh, you know, they're this close to beating Utah. And then they just beat Cal by this much. I mean, it'd be a different story if they were still undefeated in Pac-12 play. Even not having played well. Um, but this is a game, if you beat Washington by one... Just be happy with it, you know. If it's fifty to forty nine and USC wins this one, just like Cal, that was a top ten team. So you take it all day long. Um, but we'll still hear all the complaints and stuff. But that's a that you get the win, you get the win. Uh, so we'll see if USC does. Now it's a whole different story because you could you know go on the road and lose to Oregon and then maybe beat UCLA and still be in the Pac twelve championship game. Depends you know how things play out so it should be it should be a really interesting finish to the season and uh i don't know we'll see how it goes you guys have any like final thoughts words of wisdom from tony the tiger uh, legally we're not tony oh, the tiger okay. i don't have any like overarching i did want a quick shout out to uh long snapper jack casasante because he deserves some credit for forcing that fumble as well he was first on the scene Stop the guy's momentum, kind of whips him around and disorients him, uh, and then Tackett Curtis comes and punches loose. So, just need to get the long snapper some long snapper some love. love. Yeah, and he's always kind of first down there in those pump returns. You know, he's doing his job, getting down there and causing some havoc, and he did. So, I just wanted to give him a little love. I have a great shot of it in my field level highlights where he's in there. You can see clearly that you know he is contributing to helping that uh, that huge fumble come into play. Uh, teamwork makes the dream work. So uh, shout out to him. On that theme, Taj Washington took some big hits, got up every time. What a special player he is. Also, we did not hype up Marshawn Lloyd enough. Big game for him. Yeah. He just, was huge, yeah. Uh, just having that game. You know, he, I know he had a 100-yard game early in the year, but this is kind of the one where he kind of took over. You know, 70 yards receiving, uh, 115 on the ground, two touchdowns. Just coming back off that performance against uh, Utah where he fumbled, critical fumble. And just, yeah, put the team on his back sometimes and, you know, kept cranking away with that run game and busted that big one to set up the, I believe that one set up the game winner or the the game tying. But either way, just a, just a huge uh, night for number zero. We had a lot of people like guaranteeing USC is going to finish six and six, like after the Utah loss. Now we have a bunch of people saying they think they're going to beat Washington. So that's, hey, that's good. At least trending in the right direction. And we have one last super chat. Oh. Um, uh, Is it James? No, Mr. Andrew. Okay. I believe Bear made a difference in the second half. 
He was suspended in the first half because of the targeting. He did. You are correct. Massive difference. I'm just a little old tiger, but yeah, those bears, <laughs> those bears get it done. Lions, tigers, and bears. Yeah. And a giraffe helped out in that one. That is true. And then I'll, I'll put this one last one up. Um, Paul says, and I can't disagree, Utah loss was, is unforgivable. Yep. You're right. Great comment, because it's true. It is true. That was a game you just cannot lose, and they did. But you know what? There's still more games. So you have to move on at some point. I told Oklahoma fans to kind of move on. You have to move on. You still have an amazing opportunity because you're playing great teams. That was a game that shouldn't have been, shouldn't have lost. The USC shouldn't have lost, and they did. Um, you have to answer for that. And I think that's part of the reason why you're going to see a change, you know, some changes at the end, if, you know, especially if, for sure, if they don't win the Pac 12 championship game, just in my opinion. But thank you for that one. And uh, thanks. Uh, oh, we had one more from Kevin. We had another super chat. People just getting in their last super chats. Oh, wait. That was the wrong one. Let me pull it up. Uh, he says, um, a 7-Eleven cashier can throw for 100 yards <laughs> against USC. I think it was Lowe's. but oh, it, it didn't pull up again. I'm sorry. The, the, the funniest peristyle thread that I've seen in a while, when USC had let up those two long touchdown runs, the header was... Where did the protesters go? And then in the body, <laughs> we need them. They could stop Cal right now. <laughs> they did slow down the scoring. That, well, well, uh, if whoever wrote that is listening, thank you. That made me really chuckle. All right. Well, thank you guys for tuning in. I know we had a whole bunch of people on YouTube. I'm sure other people on Facebook and uh, and Twitter as well. So thanks so much for like tuning into our little show. We will be back uh, Sunday night. Shotgun will be in town. Uh, yeah. So Shotgun will be doing... Tunnel Vision. I'm not sure what the lineup will be. We'll figure it out. We'll not do me. You're out. Yeah, Connor's out. out. So it'll probably be me, Shotgun, and Jack for that one. But we love getting Chris. Um, do you want to? Do you want to pose for the um, screenshot? Like, what would you like to do? How about a the one shot? You're you wanna... just you're just doing me as the yeah. The you should soul. probably be this. Yeah. It's not going to be a three man. It's just going to no. Be... I think it's just you because like I, I don't deserve to be. in. That's really good. I think that's our. I think that's our screenshot right there. Um, Can I do one of mauling? Connor. Yeah, you want to do that? <laughs> All right, we'll pick one. It's harder when you're moving, though, because you have to, like, pose like, for the screenshot. Take you know? three. Perfect. I love that. If you're listening on the podcast version, sorry, but that's just uh, what we're doing. Uh, that's going to wrap things up. We got Triple Double. We got Healing Boy, Cilantro Boy, and uh, me, your little old host. <laughs> Boss man. Hope boss man. Boss man. Boss boy. Boss boy. Boss boy. I hope you guys all enjoyed the show, and uh, we will talk to you next time. Bye, everybody. This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else. So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball. And baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does. <laughs> Nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.